0: And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this whole aspect of there's an app for that. And so today, would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Proverbs, the 16th chapter, and the third verse, and maybe you've got an app for the Bible And you just click on that and go to Proverbs 16.3. As you're doing that, let me say hello to the campuses. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. It is exciting week in and week out to come and be with you. We believe that God has a word for you and he has a destiny that he wants to impart to you today. So let's go together into the word of the Lord. The book of Proverbs, the 16th chapter, verse number 3, says this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Now, today when you came in, you should have got a little card that said purpose. How many of you got one of these cards? All right, good. If you didn't, as you leave today, they will be available. Now, let me tell you about these cards. There's only 3,000 of these cards being printed, so they're going to become really, really, really valuable. Y'all aren't working with me at all. They're going to be worth a lot of money someday, I'm sure, and we're going to have a different one each week for the app that we're talking about, so you want to be here each week so you can get uh, your, your app and your card that day. Today, we're going to talk about purpose, and, and, and the whole aspect of purpose is found here in this scripture. Again, let me read it to you. Proverbs 16, 3, commit to the Lord. That word commit means to transfer to someone stronger commit to the Lord, uh, give your life, is what he's saying, commit to the Lord, whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. So we're going to be talking about purpose. Now, the title of the sermon today is, what am I here for? Have you ever walked into a room from another room and you had to stand there and think for a minute? Come on, if you're over 50, you've had more than one of those moments, all right? I mean, there are moments I'll leave my office and uh, I'm going down the hall to tell somebody. I, don't know, I could do it from my phone, but I just don't like doing that. But the problem is a lot of times somebody will stop me on the way to the next person's office and I'll stand in the hall going, now, wait a minute. I came here for some reason. What am I here for? Now, that's, that's what a lot of us ask about life. What am I here for? Well, there is a purpose for your life. And uh, it's interesting to note how many of us are living out somebody else's purpose instead of God's purpose. We're trying to fulfill mom and dad's vision for our life. We're trying to fulfill some teacher's vision. We're trying to fulfill the American dream, whatever that is for our life, when there really is a purpose that God has for our life. Uh, Albert Einstein, who was a genius, said this. He said, everybody is a genius. Now, I like that. In fact, why don't you just look at your neighbor and say, you're a genius, All right, because Albert Einstein said everybody is a genius. But listen to what else he said. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, did you hear me? If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its entire life feeling stupid. Now, the problem is is that a lot of us are living out that which we are not called to do, that there's a purpose, and, and we're called to be a fish in the sea, but we're trying to climb a tree. And because of that, we continually struggle with this thing called life. And and, and so the book of Proverbs kind of gives us some insight that I want to take today and and look at to try to help us. Look there in the first verse of that 16th chapter. Here's what the Bible says. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of God. The tongue. Now, now that's a great way, great thought there. To humans belong the plans of the heart. Now, here's what I want to tell you: God does not want us for our abilities. I'll let it sink in. God, you say, well, God, ought, God ought to be glad I'm, I'm part of the kingdom because of my abilities, what I'm able to. God doesn't want you for your abilities. God wants you so that He can mold you into His image. So that He can make you like Him. So that He can make you what He wants you to be. And here's what I want to tell you. Human responsibilities are always subject to God's authority. We, we have this tendency to, to think, well, I'm going to do it the way I want to, and I'm going to do it the way I intend to. But again, look at that verse. It says, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer. In other words, God is the one who has the responsibility to lead our life and to take it where that he wants it to go. And so when we begin to live life from that paradigm, from that perspective, we begin to understand what life really is and how to live it in abundance. Proverbs, the 16th chapter, verse 2, kind of gives us a next phase there. It says, all a person's ways seem pure to them. Now, everybody look up here a second. How many of you know that there have been moments in your life where you have judged somebody for doing something? Don't raise your hand. But you know that somebody did something, and you said, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe that they said that. I can't believe they acted in that way. And 30 minutes or 30 days later, you did the same thing. Wow. Here's what the Lord says. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. See, this this whole aspect of purpose comes to this, is is that a person's deeds are not who they are or what they are. Did you hear me? What you do, we, we, mix, we misunderstand this a lot of times. We look at somebody who's, who's maybe not had the success in life and bad things have happened to them, and, and we call them a failure. Well, let me help you about failure. Failure is an event, not a person. Some of you need to get that. The Bible says the righteous falls seven times but arises again. I may fall down, but as long as I get back up one more time then I'll fall down, I'm going to be all right. But you know what, that's the, that's the negative part of that, but we also have a tendency to look at people and, and who are, are quote unquote successful, maybe they live in the right neighborhood and they went to the right college and they've got the right job and we say, oh, look, look at them and you look at their deeds and all the great things that they're doing and then all of a sudden, one day it hits the front page of the paper. The negative things, the things that were bad, the things that weren't right in their life. And people go, I can't believe. I thought that they had it all together. Listen, let me help you. A person's deeds are not what they are. You have to understand that. The Word of God says that God sees the intent and the motives of our life. Now, I don't know about you. That makes me scream for mercy. Wow, maybe not this group. I mean, I, sometimes, have you ever done the right thing, but you had the wrong reason? You know, once, once we went on television as, as a church, and I began to preach on television, and I've been doing it for years and years and years, I found out real quick that I have to be real careful wherever I go to act right. Because just as soon as, as I don't do something right, whether it's in a restaurant or whatever, uh, you know, if I, if I get ticked off because I didn't get my food quick enough or whatever, then, then whoever's bringing it to me will go, oh, pastor, I come to your church. And I go, oh, help me, Jesus. Or they'll say something like, I've been watching you on television. I go, what did I just say? What did I just do? Lord, forgive me. I was driving somewhere a while back, and, and you all know me in driving, I'm, I'm a... I'm, in a, I'm trying to think of the right word. I'm an aggressive driver. I, I, I want to get where I'm going. And, and I was headed out. I was headed out south one day, and, and this, this gal was in front of me. And, and I was blessing her and, <laughs> in the greatest way possible. And I kept thinking, would she just get out of my way? And, and I didn't get real, real nasty, but I did one of those move over, beep, just, just quick. It, it, wasn't, blah, it wasn't one of those. It was just beep. And then as I went by her, I looked, and it was one of the ladies who went to church here. And I had to ask for forgiveness and put on sackcloth and ashes and, you know, the, the whole business. And, and, and so, you know what? In our lives, God sees the intent and the motives of our life. He knows what's happening. And, and so what, what we have to come to an understanding is this, is that, and, and please understand this, purpose is not dictated by outward circumstances. Okay, we we think, well, my purpose is if everything goes good and everything, you know, and I'm happy in life. Do you know what? I looked up to there. There are 20 scriptures in the Bible that talk about being happy. Do you know not one of them are promised to us? Life's not about being happy. I know you've been told that. Life's about fulfilling your purpose. I want to tell you that there are going to be moments in your life that you are not happy. Get over it. It's going to happen. Purpose is not by the outward circumstances, it's by your inner resolve. It's that you have determined to live up to what God has called you to do and to live out the destiny that God has for your life. A few years ago, a guy named Rick Warren, anybody heard of Rick Warren? Rick Warren wrote a book that has sold over 30 million, I said million. Thirty million copies. Rick Warren is a pastor in Southern California, and it's called The Purpose Driven Life. And it is about the purpose that we have been placed here for. And it it became such a, a hot commodity that literally people who never darkened the doors of a church said, I'm looking for purpose in my life, how do I get there? And Rick Warren just laid it out so that we would know how to live life on purpose and to fulfill the purpose that God has for us. So I want to give you five things this morning uh, in fulfilling your purpose and what it is that God has called you to do as an individual. Number one is this, we were planned for God's pleasure. Now, now you say, well, Pastor, that sounds interesting. I was planned for God's pleasure. What does that mean? Well, do, do you remember in the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, where it talked about that God created the heavens and the earth, and He did all these great things, but then He placed man and woman in this garden. But you know what God did every day in the cool of the day? How many of you remember? What did He do? He came, and He walked and talked with Adam and Eve. Why? Because God, listen to me, God took pleasure in spending time with Adam and Eve. Now, the word, if you want just a one-word phrase of that, it's called worship. See, we were created to give worship to God. But our problem is, from our perspective, we think worship is what we do when we go to church and we sing songs or we might lift our hands if we get really aggressive. We might clap our hands or we might even say amen when the preacher is preaching. Amen. Thank you. I was kind of hoping for some. All right. And, and we, that's worship. Well, that is part of worship. But you know what the Bible says? The Apostle Paul said this. He said that we worship the Lord by presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, and then watch how he closes this in the NIV translation, he says, which is your spiritual worship. When you live your life as a sacrifice unto God, it is worship unto the Lord. You know what worship is? We've we misunderstood worship. we made worship religious. Worship isn't religious. Worship is expressing your affection to God. That's all worship is. Lord, I thank you. You know what? I believe on those days when God came down with Adam and Eve, I believe that Adam and Eve would say, Lord, we just want to thank you today. You know what? We got up this morning, and the temperature was just right. No, you missed it. Have you ever ever tried to to regulate the temperature in a building with 800 to 1,000 people? I, I watch it week in and week out. I got somebody over here fanning. I got somebody else with a coat on. When they start pulling in the polar bears, I know we're in trouble, all right? And, and, but, but you know what? In that environment, the temperature was exactly right because they were in paradise. They got ready to eat that day. Guess what? They got exactly what they wanted. I don't know what it was. It was manna. What is it? I don't know what it was, but they got exactly. And, and so they're just expressing, God, we just thank you. To, it, it is so good to be your child. It is so good. And then they messed it up. How dumb can you be? But you know what? You can live in that same relationship. The Word of God says that what Adam and Eve gave away in one garden, Jesus restored in another garden. And you and I have the same ability to receive from God daily what it is that we want. Our problem is is that a lot of times we mess it up. But you know what? Here's what's wonderful about God. If you'll focus your attention on God... He will receive you right where you're at. That's what worship is. Worship is focusing on the Lord, just living my life, not in perfection, not that everything's right or or that I've got this It is just living out my purpose day in and day out, using my abilities for God and doing what I am called to do. And as I do that, my purpose is being fulfilled and God receives worship. The second thing that I'm placed here for, the second purpose of my life, is that we were formed for God's family. We could have sung this morning, we are family. I got all my sisters with me. Right? We, we're, fa- we're all in this, the, the Bible time and time again. In fact, do you know this, that God instituted the family 4,000 years before He instituted the church. God is about Family. But he's not just about the ethereal family out there or or maybe just the family that you're with. God is about this thing called the church family. Again, if you want a one word there, he's about fellowship. That's that's what being part, we were formed for God's family. It's about fellowship. And you know what fellowship is? Here's what fellowship is. Fellowship is living in God's family. Living in God's family. Now let me ask you a question. You ready? Let me ask you a question. How many of you, have ever been to a family reunion. Come on, hold your hand up. Looks like most of us. How many of you were kind of wondering about some of those people? (laughs) It's like, who are they? And they're weird. (laughs) The problem is, some of them were looking at you, probably saying the same thing. It's, it's interesting to me how often people use the excuse for not becoming part of a church family because, well, there's, you know, there's just people down there I, I don't understand, I can't get along with, and, and the one that I always like is when people say tell, tell me, Pastor, I used to be part of a church, but there's hypocrites in the church, and I always just want to look at them. I don't because I'm trying to be nice, and they might have seen me on television, and but, but I want to look at them and say, come on down. One more hypocrite won't hurt us. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that, really? You're going to let a hypocrite be more plugged into the family of God than you are? Come on. Let's, let, let's understand that no matter what the family dynamics are, th- there's going to be some people that you just kind of look at and go, well, I don't know about them, but it's okay. And uh, it's, it's all right. God loves them, and I'm going to love them too. In fact, you know what I found out? That I can love people that sometimes I don't like. Ever, found, ever, ever thought that? I, I, I love you, but I don't like you right now. Right? And, th- and that's part of being part of the family. It's part of, uh, of the relationship together that we're called to do. It's, it's that whole aspect of working together. I guarantee you that if you have a job and there's more than one person besides you working there, and even if you're by yourself, there's probably some days you don't get along with you. But if there's more than one, I promise you there's going to be some conflicts, there's going to be some things. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says iron sharpens iron. And it's talking about a relationship. It's talking about two people coming together and they sharpen one another. But here's what I want to tell you. When iron sharpens iron, there's going to be some sparks that are going to fly. It's okay because God's called us to be part of a family together. That's part of the purpose of my life. Thirdly, we were created to become like Christ. We were, you and I were created to be like Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says it this way. It says that we we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. Again, if you want just one word, it's the word discipleship. We are called to be disciples. I got to thinking about that discipleship thing. How many of you have ever heard of a guy named the Apostle Peter? Right? I mean, he's kind of famous, isn't he? I mean, there's, there's one whole group in, in uh, the religious faith that, that believes he was the founder of their whole church. Uh, so, I mean, he's a pretty important guy. And, and, and yet, have you ever read about him? No, come on. It's, it's in the Bible. I can read it verse to verse if you want me to. Do, do you know that, that he's kind of one of Jesus' right-hand guys? But he's got some issues, doesn't he? I mean, he's kind of got a temper, doesn't he? He kind of said, in fact, next week we're going to help him out. Next, we're going to talk about an out for anger. I know you don't need that, but there's somebody in your family that needs it, so just bring them, all right? All right? And, and, and so there were moments in, in the Apostle Peter's life that he reacted. In fact, there were moments years later that the Bible says Paul said about the Apostle Peter, he said, I withstood him to his faith, to his face, and the contention became sharp. In other words, we just got down to business. We, we, we talked. But but the the Apostle Peter, can can you imagine that you've walked with Jesus for three and a half years and you still want to kill people? No, you missed it. You read the Holy Bible. This is the Holy Bible. It is the Holy Bible. But have you read what happens in the Holy Bible? They show up to take Jesus. Peter pulls out a sword and he's going to kill the guy. Now, I've had some, some interesting staff members through the years. But I've never had to tell hey, put that three fifty-seven up. You're not going to shoot the saints today. <laughs> I've had a few of them talk about it, but, right? I mean, Peter, whack, and the guy ducks, and he cuts his ear off. Jesus just kind of looks down. Jesus picks it up and slaps his ear back. Oh, I mean, what? It really is in the Bible. You know, the Bible, you'd learn a lot if you read it. It's all in there. Keep reading that story, guess what? Jesus says you're going to deny. He said, I'm not going to deny. It. You're going to deny. It. I'm not. If everybody else, if everybody else, well, I am not denying. Guess what he does? He denies three times. He throws in a few choice words, doesn't he? He starts cussing. That just made some of you feel better. Because if the Apostle Peter can, you think, well, I'm not going straight to hell yet, so. (laughs) Still working on it. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to make things right in my life. You know know what's interesting about Scripture is that 50 days after the Apostle Peter has this total meltdown, he stands and preaches the inaugural sermon to the church, and the church is ushered in by this guy, who is still trying to get his act together. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is becoming like Jesus. It's developing the habits for life. It's it's not instantaneous. Yes, we get saved in a moment. But discipleship, living out my purpose for God, is growing in maturity, reaching that place, that day in and day out. I am doing more and more and more what God wants me to do. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. That's what discipleship is all about. And so that's living out my purpose is discipleship. Number four is we were shaped for serving God. You and I, we were shaped for serving God. Now, again, that that word there, if you want just one word, it's called ministry. Day in and day out, I am to live my life to serve God. I'm to live my life to do what God's called me to do. Ministry is just serving God and others. That's what ministry is. Ministry is not what happens on this stage. Now, this is part of ministry. But so many people say, well, if I could only be on the stage, I would be a minister if I could only play the keyboard, if I could only lead uh, the worship, if I could only... wait, Wait a minute. Ministry is what you do with your life. Ministry is not about a title. In fact, what I have found through the years is that if somebody has to get a title to do ministry, they really aren't called to ministry. Ministry is an outflow of your relationship with Jesus Christ. It is just doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. You say, well, how, how do I live this thing uh, of ministry? How do I day in and day out live my purpose to God? Well, you, you just determine what you're gifted at. What am I, what am I called to do? May, maybe you just love helping people. Maybe you have a, re- a real sense of mercy. And you just like going out and, and talking to people and, and just kind of helping them through. Listen. Listen. That's as much ministry as my standing here on this stage and preaching. I, you know, I get to preach to hundreds and sometimes thousands of people at a time. That's wonderful. That's my ministry. That's my purpose. You know what? What am I here for? I'm here today. Here's, here's when I show up on the stage, wherever it's at, whether that's here or one of the other campuses or any place else that I get the opportunity to speak, my purpose in that moment is to change lives to change the world. That's why I show up. That's why I go. And and so in in your life, your ministry is what it is that you're called to do. It may not be this. In fact, I would tell you, pray it's not this. I did for years. I said, God, I'll do anything. I don't want to be a preacher. I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up in a missionary's. I knew all about preaching. I said, let me be a good businessman make lots of money. I'll pay double tithes, whatever you want me to do, but just don't make me preach. Guess what? He didn't listen. <laughs> he said, "This is your purpose. Now fulfill your prayer." You know what? God gave me a gift, and, and with his help, I've been able to do that over the past 35 years or so uh, in ministry. It, it's, it's that whole process of just following the dreams that God places in your heart. What is it that you really, in those secret moments that you desire to do? I'm not talking about negative things I'm talking about I'm talking about those things that would be a blessing to somebody I'm talking about those things that would change somebody's world what is it that God has placed in you see I I think and I'll I'll move on because I don't want to I don't want to mess it up but I think so many of us have sold ourselves short of what we really could be we've settled for a job we hate because it's good money And we know that deep down inside of our heart that God has something for us, but but we keep holding back. Well, you know, I got this job, or I got this situation, or I got, and and yet God is saying, I've got much more for you. I've got something that that I can use you for that will make such a difference. And yet we keep playing this game. Listen, I want to challenge you today. Find out what it is that God's gifted you. What are the dreams that God's placed in your heart? And begin to the best of your ability to live that out. Don't let the circumstances, remember, don't let those outward things keep you from fulfilling what it is that's inside of you. You say, Well, Pastor, I don't have the education. Well, get the education. Well, I I don't have the skills. Well, learn the skills if you whatever it is, let don't settle. Like, I'm passionate about this. I want you to hear me, and, and I'll get off of it. But I, I am so frustrated so often by watching people who have such ability never fulfilling it. We were in staff meeting the other day, and they said, they said uh, what, is, what is the one thing that just frustrates you? And, and I just, before I could think, I, I, we were taking notes, and I just wrote down, I wasn't leading it. I, I just wrote down, waste. And, and when, they, when they came to me, it was my time, they said, what, Pastor, what? And I said, waste. And they said, waste? And they they kind of looked at me strangely. They know I got this thing about waste not, want not anyway. Turn off the lights, turn the air conditioners up, you know, those kind of things. Just simple things as far as I'm concerned. And, and uh, I said, yeah, waste bugs me. And they said, well, what are you talking about? I said, when I see people's lives and I know what they could do and they're wasting that, I said, it's the most frustrating thing that I see. I want to challenge some of you today, don't settle for second best. Live your life to the fullest potential and fulfill the purpose that God has for you. Let me give you the fifth thing and I'll get off your case. Number five is this, we were made for a mission. Now again, some of you are way more spiritual than this, but there was a movie out a few years ago called The Blues Brothers. I know none of you have seen it because you're way too spiritual. Anybody fess up and say you've seen it? All right, thank you. Uh, there, was a, there was a statement that they made more than once in that movie, and that was we're on a mission for God. That, that, was, that was part of the dialogue in that movie. Well, I want to tell you something. That's good theology. You're on a mission from God. You, you, are, you were made for a mission. Now, again, one word there is evangelism. Now, we've, we've misunderstood what evangelism is. A lot of us grew up in traditions. I did. I grew up in a tradition where we, we would do things on, on, uh, on periodically, but it seemed like it was forever that we did it. Uh, we would do things on Saturday. Anybody ever gone on a Saturday morning visitation as church people? Wow, several of you. Well, you, you guys are hardcore, <laughs> All right? Because it's only the hardcore people and, and the pastor's kids that showed up. For that, Well, I was a pastor's kid, so I, I never was asked, do you want to go? In fact, I never was asked about church. I, I never had my parents come to me and say, son, do you want to go to church tonight? It never happened. They would just go, church tonight? Oh, okay, you went to church. And, and then, I, then I'd use that thing, well, I'm sick. They said, oh, we believe in divine healing. Let's go to church. <laughs> what do you do with that one? All right. But Saturday morning visitation is an interesting thing. Some of you have had people knock on your door on Saturday morning. And you know how wonderful that is. <laughs> right? And they want to share with you whatever. And, and uh, that's kind of what we did back in the day. And, and on that day, I would pray. I'd pray hard. i prayed pray harder that day than any other day of the week. I had, I had a prayer. It was a two-fold prayer. Here was the prayer. Number one is, God, don't let there be a big dog. Because I didn't want to get bit. Prayer number two was this, God, don't let them be home. I'm not an evangelist at heart you know I'd 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 take that I'd want to just put whatever the brochure the track whatever I just want to be able to stick it in the door and say I covered my block I did what I was but I didn't want any I didn't want to talk to anybody and a lot of us have that concept about what evangelism is let me help you Here, here's here's what it is and get it don't miss it all that it is is sharing God's grace that's what I'm talking about just sharing the grace of God You know what it means to share the grace of God? Listen to me. It means loving others more. You say loving others more than what? That's exactly right. Loving others more than anything. You know what's happening in the church is that we've misappropriated that. We've lost that. Uh, we, We think, well, we'll love you if, and yet Jesus came to love us as we were. Now, I understand once you come in the kingdom, God will move you, He'll motivate you, He'll change your life. But I want you to understand that the, the kingdom of God uh, is about people who are coming in with all kind of stuff. And as a believer, with the living out the purpose that I have, I need to show everybody that I come into contact with that I love them more than anything else that's happening in their life. I may not agree with their lifestyle, I may not like their choices, I may not agree with what they're doing, but I still need to love them more. You know what that means? That means that we live with eternity in our mind. Day in and day out, we're living with our focus, not upon this earth, but upon the future and what God's called us to. You know what? If you would begin to live life at that level, some of you are, some of you are living that and you're doing your very best and I want to commend you for that today. But there may be some of you here today who, who you're saying, you know what? You're talking about that whole thing. I don't know that I'm fulfilling my purpose. Well, let me help you today. The way that you start fulfilling your purpose is to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I I don't believe, listen, I, I know that there's a lot of great people out there doing wonderful things, but I don't feel like that you ever truly fulfill your purpose and live out your purpose until you are in relationship with God Almighty. And so you say, well, how do I do that? Well, it's real easy. First of all, you have to admit you're a sinner. You say, well, I I don't know if I want to do that. Well, the Bible says it this way. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you're in a pretty good group. We've all been there. We've all been sinners. We've all lived that life. So you've got to admit you're a sinner. Secondly, you've got to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. If I'm a sinner, then there's a penalty to sin. The Bible says the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. So I've got to believe that Jesus Christ paid my penalty on the cross, shed his blood so that I could have life. And lastly, I've got to confess him as my Lord and my Savior. It really is as simple as ABC. Admit, believe, and confess. And you know what? If I will do that, God will change my life in a moment. And I will enter into a new relationship with him.